I want to put quality young men out there, quality men out into the world who hopefully can make a difference. Society in a whole is missing out on some empathy and care about the man next to you. And I think that we want that in our program. That was Pace University's Tom Mariano. He's the guest on this week's Chasing the Goal. Welcome to New England Lacrosse Journal's Chasing the Goal podcast, your destination for all things lacrosse. I'm your host, Kyle Devitt. Alongside me, Mr. Jack Piatelli. Jack, how we doing? Doing really well. I uh, can't, no complaints. Always good to be here with you and looking forward to our next guest. Yeah, just, just so you guys know, when we book guests, we kind of go like one for you, one for me, one for you, one for me. And this is one of my guests, the Pace head coach, Tom Mariano, and also the former coach of the Baltimore slash Washington slash Chesapeake Bayhawks. Thanks, guys. I appreciate you having me on. I'm looking forward to it. I also appreciate what you guys do. This stuff's awesome. Thank you so much. We, uh, we, we try everything we can with, I always ask any, any 10, any 10 coach that comes on, is it the toughest league? Cause I feel like it is. I think that it's a huge debate. I think it's a much, much bigger issue for our Southern counterparts than it is for the Northern counterparts. Like I think they're more focused on who's the best conference. I think when you have years, I think probably in the 10, just going to my 10th year in the any 10, the best we've had is seven, eight teams ranked in the top 20. I think that speaks for itself. Typically we have four or five in the top. I think that kind of speaks for itself. I don't want to get into that who's best, but it's certainly great lacrosse. And I think it, it's, it's challenging. You're playing at Lemoyne on a Saturday, who's one of the best teams in the country. And you might be going to Ringe, New Hampshire on Tuesday night to play at Franklin Pierce. And, and those are not easy games. You know, Lemoyne, Franklin Pierce on a Tuesday night on the road is not an easy game by any means. As someone that used to coach at Franklin Pierce, anything can happen on a Tuesday night in Wrench. I'm going to tell you that right now. That's yeah, we've been, we've been up there mid-April and the guys put their sweats away and put their cold gear away. We go up there April, a few years ago, we went up there April 15th and we played in like kind of a blizzard. Yeah, it's, it, it's a microclimate for sure. People, people yeah. don't realize that there's one way in. And there is one way out of that place. And you either get a W or an L. You guys have gotten more L's than W's, especially as of late in the NE10. The departure of Merrimack a couple years ago, I think, was to, to Division One was kind of a, a, a turning point after they won those two national titles. And that not that their void was being filled, but I feel like their ability to transition put a little bit more of a spotlight on the entire league. And I, I know talking to other coaches in the NE10 that it's kind of been a struggle for power the entire time. And a lot of that comes from recruiting. What is your kind of philosophy on where you get your kids and how you get your kids into pace? Well, I think right off the bat, I think Division Two ha has expanded and moved and we've had some teams go to Division One, and yet, even like two days ago, I found out of Henry, which is a really good school, ODAC school in Division Three, has moved to Division Two, is now adding men's. They did it really quiet, like no one knew. And then the conference coaches down there like, oh, Emory and Henry is on our schedule in two years. I guess they're adding lacrosse. Thomas Moore, Bridgeport. So we've added lots of teams. So our numbers are good. The quality of lacrosse is excellent. I think more kids are looking around the landscape and saying, hey, I want to go get a great education, great opportunity, and I want to compete for something. So I think that's been our focus at Pace and knowing that we're typically going to play some of the best teams in the country. Let's go recruit high-quality young men, high-character, good students, good athletes, good kids who can come in and compete and help us. Coach, academically, what recruits players to want to attend and get a very good education at Pace? Well, I think right off the bat, right, this whole process is about what you do after college. This whole process, it's not what you do as a freshman or a sophomore, junior. So that's a, that's a part of the journey. That's part of how you get there. But really, this whole thing is how you finish this and how you, we talk in recruiting about the recruiting process is about your next four. The pace process is about your next 40, your 40 years after you, you graduate. The jobs that these these men get are outstanding. The starting salaries, the Seidenberg School, which are computer science, average starting salaries, 85000 If you're in accounting, you're in the low to mid-70s. If you're in finance, you're high 60s, low 70s. It's job opportunities. Jack, I think that's why a lot of you know these recruits choose us because they know they're going to get quality internships. 
which hopefully lead to really good jobs. And part of that is it's much easier when you have a 3.6 GPA as a senior and you've, you're a good player, good kid, but you've achieved on and off the field. These companies want those type of people in their companies. And Pace has a distinguished intern program for all their program. It's, uh, I think it's in our culture, it's in our DNA. Internships, that's what we, that's part of the Pace path. You've got to be engaged, right? This whole process, I think as you go through the recruiting process and the college process, I think it's getting harder and harder to find recruits who are going to be engaged in everything. And I think here at Pace in our program, we want young men to be engaged, to be engaged academically, to be engaged athletically, to be engaged in the dorms. But we want them to have a social life. We want them to have the total experience. But that engagement piece is important because too many of these young kids, their whole life revolves around what they hold in their hand and their cell phones. And we want them to put the phone down and be engaged in, in what they're doing. One of the things I think that, that attracts me to you, just talking to you as, as a journalist when I was covering the pros, is like one of the few dudes that just did not mince words. And you're not mincing words now either. Like you're, you're saying, hey, put your phone down. Let's go play lacrosse. Let's, let's, let's get in the classroom. Let's achieve. And I think that's kind of one of your, one of your messages. And like, it's good to talk to a coach that actually I know that when you say that, you mean that, right? Like we've had very frank conversations and I think there's a lot of the recruiting process and listen, we're talking about it. I think there's a lot of sales going on and not a ton of value in all those sales. And one of the things I think that, that Division Two brings is the ability to compete at a very high level and go to a school where you belong in the it's you. And I think that a lot of people overlook division two. They go, okay, well, I'm either going to NASCAC, Liberty League, ODAC, D3, or I'm going like D1. And it's like, there's this huge portion of the lacrosse landscape that doesn't always get explored. And I, I know a lot of your recruits are from New York, New Jersey area. It's, it's easy, pace is easy to, easier to get to in that kind of geographical location. But how are you bringing in players that fit your culture, fit your school, and fit your program with the truth that you're spitting? How are, how are you doing that? Well, I think there's a couple different layers to that, Kyle. I appreciate that. I think that this is my 29th year as a head coach. Certainly, I look at my paycheck every two weeks and... I know what my friends make in sales and I know what the guys I associate with in sales who like sell for a living, their paycheck is much bigger than mine. There's more zeros on their paycheck and I'm okay with that. So I, I know why I got into this. I got into this and I probably, when I, 29 years ago, when I started, I wanted to coach lacrosse. Now my goal is to educate young men and help them become better. I want them to be better. I want them to be a better version of themselves on and off the field. It's different paths. So for me and everything I do, and I know, and I tell the recruits, I may not be for you. This program may not be for you. We're going to be, we're going to be brutally honest and not in a mean way, not in a harsh way. We're just going to be upfront. We're going to tell you where you stand, hopefully. And yet we still have kids who live in the gray, which we don't want kids. We want the kids living in the right part of their life, doing things the right way. So I think in recruiting, I'm trying to identify, and it's, it was no different at the pro level. It's the college level. When I work with youth. If you act like a dick, we're going to treat you like a dick. If you act like a good person, we're going to treat you like a good person. That's kind of, and let's face it. If you look in today's society, boy, there's a lot of people who act like dicks. You go on social media, there's a lot of people who would never say the things on social media to your face. And I'm way past confrontation. I could care about it. Any of that. There's nothing short of harming my family or my players. I could care less what you do, what you say. Nothing's going to bother me. But I think for me, it's like, I want to put quality young men out there, quality men out into the world who hopefully can make a difference. We joke a lot about shopping carts. We got this from a Springfield guy. Years ago, he came in and talked to us and he's like, hey, when you go shopping, what do you do with your shopping cart? Do you just leave it in the middle of the parking lot? Do you put it back in the shopping cart or do you walk it back and put it inside the supermarket? And I have alums, a kid Played it a few years ago, had some injuries, just got a huge promotion, beat out 
people 20 years older than him. And, and he brought back the shopping cart analogy and why he thought he got the job. Just because how he approached things, how he did things. And I think that we're society in a whole is missing out on some empathy and care about the man next to you. And I think that we'd want that in our program. We want to care about the guy next to you. Does that mean we're going to win a national championship? It doesn't necessarily guarantee you that. But does that mean you could have a great experience? 100%. Can you be successful? Will you be successful? Will you be a good husband, a good father, or a good boss, good worker, whatever? We hope it does. And I think that's our goal for our players. One of my major pet peeves, Coach, is when I do go grocery shopping, when I see people not putting their carts back, and a couple of occasions, the carts have been on my car or behind my car. I always, honestly, I always, always, because when I was a young kid, my mother used to take me grocery shopping, which was the worst thing any kid had to do, spend two hours in the, the grocery store with my mother, packing the car and unpacking it, and six kids, youngest of six. So my job was to go to the grocery store all the time. But Kyle, do you put your cart back? Of course I do. Okay. Yes. But you also brought up the point, phones, social media, it's not going to get any better. What do you do to change that? Well, I think we're not trying to change anything because we know, right? These high school kids, boy, their life revolves around their lights and their friends and what people think about them. And that was no different than when you grew up, Jack, and when I grew up and when Kyle grew up, it was the same, but it was not amplified. This is times a million. The, these young people's lives and how they put themselves out there. I still think, and we, we use this discussion all the time in our program, social media is phenomenal. The, you look at LinkedIn, they're saying that is like the biggest way to get a job is LinkedIn, but you got to do it correctly. Instagram, Twitter, do it correctly. You see the, 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 the Tennessee reporter, side by reporter who lost her job because of something she tweeted 10 years ago. We talk more about, and I think I'm more into the educational phase, the teaching phase. It's okay to get on, it's okay to get on there and rant a little bit. Like our man, Kyle, he likes to get on there and rant a little bit. He's getting much better now as he's maturing. There was a time when he was younger. He would rant and get on there. It had valid points. We talk a lot in our program about no BCB. When you face situations, don't blame, don't complain, don't defend. Certainly don't go on social media and air your dirty laundry because people really don't care. They're actually just going to use it against you. Mm -hmm. And you go on like, hey, I've been on there and boy, you're in recruiting and you're on the belt parkway or you're, you're sitting in traffic getting in this new book, go on Twitter, Instagram. It's okay to, to comment and say stuff, but remember it's going to stay forever. So be smart, make educated decisions. And I look at across the country, right? There's probably 10 examples of athletes making poor decisions on social media that ends up in it now, Jack, it's costing them so much more than it ever did. How's that your game? Four. Yeah, it, it is. And it's a great point. I mean, it, kids are on their phones all the time, but it's like anything. And, and you know, I tell my kids and my own kids, it's like when you hit send, make sure you know that it's out there forever, right? Like you said, 10 years ago, somebody got called out for making a statement that somebody didn't like and they got they lost their job. So it doesn't go away. That's the thing about social media. It Kyle does not go away. I don't Unfo go away. Unfortunately, Kyle does not go away. Yeah. I, I actually was at your game at Bentley playoff game last year, was it? At Bentley? Or two two years ago. Yeah, two, two years, years ago. I was at yeah, I was at the game two years ago. And Bentley took an, an early lead. But I'll tell you, I was very impressed with your team and the way they played and the discipline. And they just stayed within their game they didn't try and do too much they, they were very confident they would they were very disciplined you push the ball you started clearing the ball better winning some face-offs but the adjustments you made but I, I really enjoyed seeing the grit and the grind and and the kids never stopped believing that they were going to win that game and you took the sales out of Bentley once you took that lead it was like Highway all the way. I, I think it's all mentality. It's that BCD mentality. Don't listen. I mean, you could be in the any 10 and you could be down 10 goals before you even blink five goals before you blink. I mean, goals get scored in this league left and right. And you've got to be able to beat people in transition and six on six. We want to be good in the gray, right? We want to be good off the ground. We want to be good riding. We want to be great riding. We want to be great riding. 
We want to be good, clear in the ball. And you've just got to handle the, the, the circuses. We call them circuses. You want to handle, because let's face it, you, we've, had, we've had some weeks where we're on the bus for 1,200 miles, it feels like. You're going to play a game at Bentley at night where maybe you're tired and you, your legs hurt from the bus trip. That's all excuses. It's all BS. You know, you're playing for the guy next to you. Give him everything you got. And I think if you do things the right way, listen, the game doesn't change. Everybody talks about change the game, change the game. The game is still the same, right? Be good off the ground. Clear the ball effectively. Ride hard. Shoot smart. Shoot efficiently. Play good defense. Share the ball. Communicate. We call them dog plays. Like we count our highlight films after the game. You know, the attackman who's got 80 points. The team doesn't need to see him score goals. They know he scores goals. But you know what they want to see is him diving on the end line to chase a shot out, to get a big ground ball. We go up to Bentley. And we've had some great, I mean, we've had some great any 10 games. We go up to Bentley last year and two games we played them. They outplayed us in both games. In the playoffs, they beat us. But in the regular season, they outplayed us the whole game. And honestly, we beat them. We scored three goals in 38 seconds. But everybody made a big deal about the three goals in 38 seconds. That didn't impress me. I mean, granted, that's awesome. But what impressed me was Griffin Shilander being All-American. The last two Bentley possessions of the game gets dive-outs to get us the ball back that we scored. Rafael Rodriguez played the last three minutes of the game as a midfielder. Like, played the last three minutes of the game and overtime. Was just a dog. And I think that it's that mentality. And as a teammate, we had a kid come off the bench who hadn't take any face-offs the whole year and won a huge face-off at the end of the game. So that, that's counting on each other, being a great teammate, being there for each other. That's, that's so important to us. Do you find that when the players come into your program, they don't understand the little things that you spoke about, the ground balls, the end line possessions, playing solid defense, playing for your teammate, watching a lot of college lacrosse over the years, it really comes down. The wins and losses come down to the little things. I think most kids come in and have no clue of what they're doing. <laughs> they have no clue. And that's all levels. I mean, Kyle will tell you, we got it at the pro level. Like I would coach guys who are three-time first-team All-American. Yeah. I'm like, you don't know how to triangle off ball. But then in that kid's defense, he's never played off ball in his life. He was always covering the best attackman. But yet we're asking him to be a crease guy and a slide guy. And he's looking at me like, coach, you're an idiot. I'm, I'm defenseman of the year in Division One or whatever it is. I don't play off ball. You know, it's like, well, if you can't play off ball, you can't play for us. And you move on. I mean, I look at, you look at your son playing at Cornell. Boy, you looked at Cornell and Maryland, the two teams in the national championship last year. They did those little things better than everybody else. And you look at Maryland right now, and let's also face it, I think Cornell will be in the mix as well this year. Those two teams do it better than anybody. Certainly Maryland does those little things we're talking about better than anybody on a, a consistent basis. And they graduate studs every single year and just reload. And that's a culture. That's a scheme. And by far, you talk to the pros, the best pro alumni are the Terps. Yeah, that's the reason yeah. they win the most games. That's the reason the, the Whipsnakes have two of the, the four current PLL championships and, and many, many, many MLL championships as well. And I'm glad you brought up pro. I, I don't get to talk about it as much nowadays, but man... I really loved all the culture around the MLL. And I think a lot of people hated it, but I loved it because you got to see guys that everyone's like, oh, this guy's going to be great. And then he'd get drafted in the third round. And they'd be like, well, why did he get drafted in the third round? It's like, well, they don't, either they didn't need his position or he didn't talk to the coach as well or all these other things. There's so many intangibles with how that broke down because professional lacrosse is so different from other professional sports. Right. You're not making millions of dollars. It's just flat out not happening. Right. So you have to try and win and compete. And guys that come in, if they don't have that built into them, they don't last. Right. I can, there are so many pro players in the history of outdoor field lacrosse. I'm going to clarify outdoor field lacrosse that came in, celebrated. Everyone loved they have. 50 goal seasons, 40 goal seasons. They're going to change the game. Just like you were saying, coach, game changers. And then they're like the third attackman on the Bayhawks or they're the fourth attackman on the cannons. And people are like, well, what happened? And it's like, 
the scale is different. I wish people understood how different the scale is. And the scale is different now in the PLL as well, probably more so. Well, now there's eight teams, but I think that kind of ascension of player commitment is the thing that always drew me to the MLL. And I know that's part of why you you enjoyed coaching it so much is you built up a, a Florida machine team or sorry, Florida launch team. Oh, been a while. Florida launch team that uh, everyone was just counting out. No, they're not going to be good. See, I think too, I tried to make, I think there was a lot of, there's a lot of guys out there who I still keep in contact with who got a shot in the pros that a lot of other coaches wouldn't have given them a shot because I was looking for what you're talking about. Yep. I mean, there's lots of, I mean, there's so many great players out there, but that doesn't mean you're going to be a great player in our locker room. That doesn't mean you're going to fit in what we do. And I think that you look at some of the, the, the state of the current game and the PLO is doing some great things and really working hard. But I look at that where there's so many talented players, but then I look at like the whip snakes who kind of have dominated the league. They have a formula. They have a scheme. They have coaching. They, they buy in. They care about each other. You can tell they care about each other. And I get it. There are a lot of Terps, and, but there's also non-Terps and they bring in new Terps and they, it's that's not by coincidence. And you look at some of these other teams who've struggled, who can't win games at the end of a game, because they don't believe, they don't buy in. They're they're they are pros. They are they're out for themselves. And I think it doesn't from the youth to pro. If you're out for yourself, you may get away with it for a while, but eventually it's going to catch up to you, and eventually you're not you're not going to be the the better version of yourself. And I think that the pro game, college game, it doesn't matter. That's what it's all about. New England Lacrosse Journal's Chasing the Goal will return after this message. Dedication, skills, focus, and the drive to play at the highest level. Lacksachusetts is committed to providing the coaching and curriculum that will allow boys and girls to learn and grow as individuals and as teammates. With an emphasis on skill development and academic excellence, their players have led the country in college recruiting for the past 10 years. With over 800-plus players moving on to play in college and over 130-plus high school All-Americans, Lacksachusetts has been able to set the nationwide standard unmatched in the sport of lacrosse. To learn more, log on to laxachusetts.com. That's laxachusetts.com. Are you serious about playing your sport in college? Do you need a flexible education that allows you to maintain your practice and competition schedules while also preparing you to succeed at the next level? You should check out the University of Nebraska High School. UNHS is accredited and offers more than 100 online courses, including NCAA-approved courses to protect your academic eligibility. Students could earn a UNHS diploma or take a single course for transfer credit. Courses are college prep, self-paced, and available 24-7, 365. Enroll anytime and take up to a year to complete a course. Visit highschool.nebraska.edu today. Kyle, did I ever tell you that I played professional box lacrosse for the Boston Blazers back in the late 80s and early 90s? You know what, Jack? I don't think it's ever come up. Well, I did, and it totally transformed my game. And I only wish I had started playing box lacrosse early in my career. The fast pace of the game and the confined space of the box forced me to develop a new set of skills that made me a better field lacrosse player. This is why Piatelli Lacrosse is launching the Piatelli Stallions box lacrosse program and we will be holding tryouts on november 13th for youth players and november 16th for high school players at four kicks in marlboro mass starting this fall players will participate in box lacrosse training sessions scrimmages and compete in box tournaments over the winter our coaching staff is comprised of box lacrosse legends like bruce chanachuk peter schmitz dave desco and John Piatelli, who was just drafted by the Albany Firewolves of the National Lacrosse League. Of course, I will be there too. For more information of the Stallions Box Lacrosse Program, visit PiatelliLacrosse.com. Looking to keep up with all the latest news and information on New England lacrosse? New England Lacrosse Journal and LaxJournal.com are the premier resources for information and inspiration on the New England lacrosse scene. Have every issue of New England Lacrosse Journal, the magazine, delivered to your home or office. And don't forget to stay in the game every day with a digital subscription to laxjournal.com to receive daily digital lacrosse coverage on club lacrosse, college commits, prep and high school, division one, two, and three colleges, showcases, rankings, and much more. 
Get in the game and behind the scenes now by logging on to laxjournal.com. Just click on the subscribe button and start the subscription that is right for you today. New England Lacrosse Journal is a Siemens Media publication. Siemens Media. Inspiring. Informative. Insightful. Well, Coach, you won a national championship in 1992 at Nazareth, and you know as well as anybody, you may not have had the best player or the best players on your team, but you all put your egos aside, and you all played for each other, and you wanted to win and compete at a high level. And if, it, if, if you want to play and get your stats, you're not going to get recognized as a guy who's getting his stats. If your team wins and has success, you'll have success. It's not about you. It's about everybody on that team. And if everybody doesn't buy in, if you have one or two bad apples, you're not going to have any success. And you know as well. And talk a little bit about your, your national championship team. Well, I think it was a different game back then. I think every once in a while you look and we had like 32 guys on the roster. I mean, you look compared to the rosters now, it was a small roster, but there was no weak links on that roster. Everybody could play. Everybody was, we beat Hobart in the, the semifinals, which they hadn't lost in 13 straight years. I mean, huge crowd, crazy. Like, I think I got a broken nose in the celebration and it was crazy mayhem. And then we go, we're like, we're playing Roanoke in our first practice at Naz. And you have Pete Riley, who's still one of the, Pete Riley and Carl Judson are two of the toughest men I've ever been around. Two of the toughest. I mean, Carl Judson was a first team All-American midfielder who didn't wear arm pads. His nickname was Dog. He had a beard that would just hang out and there was definitely food in there. But <laughs> our first practice, they were getting ready for the national championship. Something happens in those two and they're best friends. Full-fledged brawl. Full-fledged brawl. There was no, sh no shot we were going to lose. There was no shot we were going to lose. When you, when you as a teammate, you're looking, these two are best friends, and they're, they're fist fighting, and then all of a sudden they're hugging, and the whole team's going crazy. You're like, this team has, it doesn't matter who we played that following Saturday. They were not going to win. And I just think that's something that will always stick to you, and I've always kind of relied on that in, in coaching care for each other, love each other, be a great teammate. Because, listen, there's, there's so many. We, we could probably sit here and name hundreds of great lacrosse players who didn't accomplish anything. And you can find a lot of guys who were pretty good lacrosse players who had great careers because they did the little things right. They cared. I just think that that's going back to my point before, right? We're in a society that empathy is going by the wayside. Caring is going by the wayside. In sports, caring, right? A lot of the pros all we see is the individual, the individual. But yet, every time I look around the really elite teams, it's always, a, it's the we before the me. That doesn't change. doesn't matter what sport. You look at the NBA, and I'm not an NBA fan. I think they're super talented, super athletic. They don't start playing hard till the end of the fourth quarter. They don't play hard to the playoffs. But I love watching the Golden State Warriors. When they're on, they play defense as well as anybody. They Offensively, they share the ball. They shoot. It doesn't matter the sport. That actually, great transition, because that reminds me of a quick interview I saw with the Golden State Warriors head coach, Steve Kerr. He said, you can tell a lot about a person by how they play basketball, right? You're going to learn a lot about that dude watching him play pickup. Is that true in lacrosse? Do you think that's true in lacrosse? Uh, I, I think it's true in any sport, right? Yeah. My son is nine. He's pretty active. You take him to a PAO hoops tryout, which was a disaster. I mean, just kids running around the gym, no control. And these are like nine, 10 year old kids. And kids are, there's some talented kids. I mean, I, I couldn't believe how skilled some of these kids. They were shooting from 25 feet away from the basket. Like nine year olds. And yeah. like a couple, they'd score a couple baskets. But I'm like, why is a nine year old shooting from 25 feet from the hoop? Like, I think it's a lot of our society, right? A lot of what it's in a lot, a lot of it's this Instagram gratification from the phones. It's about the me. I'm, I'm really important. I matter. I, I matter. I mean more than you do. You too. I'm more important than you too. And the reality is good teams. I'm not more important than you. All three of us are a big, the equal piece to this cog. We all have a collective responsibility. Just because you're a first team All-American doesn't mean you're the best guy on the team. You may not be the best teammate. But I, I think that that's a big, I love that analogy. I love Coach Kerr. I loved him as a player. He was a gritty guy, glue guy. I think that, you know, 
guys like Kerr and Popovich are underrated in how good at coaches they are. And I think they get maligned because of their political stance. And I appreciate them speaking out. I appreciate them taking a viewpoint. But you can't argue with their their philosophy. I love that Kerr. I think 100%, right? If you what? If you watch a guy, my son at this PAL tryout is breaking down. He's hitting his hands on the ground, trying to play defense. I don't think he knows what he's doing because he's kind of new to basketball, but he's trying to play defense. He's trying to pass. I think he's trying to pass because he can't really dribble and he can't shoot yet, but he wants to be a great teammate. He plays in a lacrosse tournament on Saturday and I'm like, hey, you know, well, you know you're going to shoot. And he goes, dad, I'm wide open. They don't pass. He goes, I, I got, but one thing he does, he gets a ground ball and he moves it one and they move it two and they score consistently. Me as a dad and a coach, that's what I love. Just because you can score goals or you score baskets as a 10-year-old doesn't mean you're going to be good in high school or college. You may not be playing the sport anymore because you've learned the game the wrong way. Or because you don't grow. Well, that too. That too. I, I thought I was going to be a basketball player when I was a kid because I was this size in fifth grade. Do you know how nasty I was in fifth grade at basketball at five foot seven? I was swatting. But yeah. it also, and then I got to high school and I couldn't dribble. And they're like, why can't you dribble? And I'm like, I'm a center. And they're like, no, you're not. Like, <laughs> that's not how this works, bud. And it was hard. But I think that's kind of the lesson that, that, that people learn too. And kind of just going with that point, one of the things when I started covering lacrosse, it was mostly pro. And one of the things I tried to do to separate myself from everyone else was watch the whole game. And I think now you're seeing even less of that. Right. Like there was a season. I remember the, two, the 2009 season. I was like, I'm going to be the best I, anyone's ever done this ever in my life. And I went after every game. I watched it twice and I made notes twice and I caught stuff that I, and I had time. Listen, listen, man, I had some time. You're able, you can't do that now. But one of the things that you learn watching full games is picking out tendencies. Like I could tell you who a player is if you shaded their entire body out. I couldn't see their number. couldn't see anything on their face just by their running gait for like a long time in the pros. Like that was like, I was so embedded in that. And it's now here, I cover so much more lacrosse and I have to find, I still have to find that thing when I watch games about each player that stands out. And more often than not, it is the things that you're talking about, the hustle, the runouts, the, I mean, listen, I don't understand how lacrosse doesn't care about turnovers drives me insane. I, I literally, it drives me insane. Drove me insane covering pros. And it drives me insane covering high school, college, D2, D3, doesn't matter. It's, it's wild. People don't want to talk about negative stats. But stats don't tell the whole picture. You have to watch the game to appreciate the game, to understand the game, right? And I think that's kind of how I eventually won people over in lacrosse, in the MLL, because a lot of them hated me because I just popped off all the time. And I would say things that I was like, well, if I'm right, I can say whatever I want. That's not true. <laughs> That's the, the lesson you learn as you get older. You can't say whatever you want. But if you back it up with, okay, on the tape, you did this. All of a sudden that coach changes. The, the tone changes. Like the player, you talking to a player, the player changes. Like, oh, I did that. I'm like, yeah, I watched it like 10 times. I'm so obsessed with their highlights. And it goes to exactly what we're, the tone of the podcast is very kind of old man shakes fist at cloud a little bit. But that's the, the reason for that is because you have to emphasize that coming through, right? You have to break through in your own way. You have to contribute to the team in the way that you're meant to. The way that you are meant to, not the way that you want to. And I think I, I love talking about that. I love talking about that aspect of lacrosse and sports in general because it's so ignored. It's so ignored. I think you, this is something I preach to my guys, and it could be as a player. It could be as a coach. It could be as a journalist. It could be as a teacher. There's a lot of people doing those things. There's a lot of lacrosse. There's a lot of midfielders out there. If you're just another guy, if you're just another journalist, Mm -hmm. What people aren't going to remember you. How are you going to stand out? Do you know, and that's a big thing for here at Pace. And I even did it at the pro level. Like we wanted to have a culture and a scheme and a style that people were going to fan the pro level. Fans are going to enjoy watching us play. The college level, I think we get a lot of, like Jack said, we get a lot of people commenting. They enjoyed watching us play and how we play. That's who we are. We want to be different than everybody else. We want to do this different because. There's a lot of people who play a Saturday lacrosse game in March. And there's a lot of people who it's the same cookie cutter. Let's bang the ball down the side. And there's nothing wrong with that. If that's who you are and that's what you want to do, 
we want to do things different. And sometimes it's going to be really successful and sometimes it's going to struggle, but that's life. That's life. But stand out. Tom, you run your offensive and defensive schemes based on your personnel, or do you tend to teach the same schemes throughout the years? Because you just talked a little bit about that, how you you adjust and you change. So explain that a little bit. That's a great question. I think we have a philosophy on who we want to be and how we want to do things and how we want to approach life. And somebody's like, oh, he just asked you about a lacrosse question. I'm like, well, we want to be a life program, not a lacrosse program. So we have a philosophy on how we want to do things. We want to get out there. We want to be engaged. We want to play. I don't want robots. We want lacrosse players who are going to have fun doing what they are doing and great teammates. Now, I have recruits. Well, what offense do you run? I'm like, I don't know. What offense do you want to run? What offense will help you score goals? In a four-year career, we're going to probably do every single thing. And we're probably going to do things, hopefully, people have never heard of or seen before. So I think we've got a philosophy and a scheme. And then you have personnel. So it's three phases, right? Philosophy, scheme, personnel. In a perfect world, you have it all match up. As we know, as coaches, that very rarely works. You've got to change. Last year, we had a great attack. This year, we'll be younger, but we'll still be good. We're going to run similar. We might run the same offense we ran last year, but it'll be a completely different approach. So, and then week to week, we may change it. Game to game, we may change it. Tom, better than anybody, spent 17 years at Sacred Heart as the head coach. And now you've been at pace for a number of years, a lot of success. I think perception sometimes with parents and players is oh, they want to get recruited by division one, division one, division one. Oh, maybe I'll think about playing division two, but explain to the audience, uh, explain to the audience how competitive division two is today. And probably if not more competitive than some of the division one programs that are available to players today. Listen, I think that the, the nice thing about lacrosse and I'm up front recruits, if you're a good player and a good student, well, you've got a lot of choices. That's awesome. You've worked hard to get to that point. Division one, division two, division three, NAIA club. There's so many great opportunities out there. But don't you want to be around people who really care? Don't you want to go to an athletic department that cares? Don't you want to compete for a championship? Don't you want to actually win lacrosse games? And I say that just collectively about us. And even I can say about the NE10, there's a lot of NE10 teams that win a lot of lacrosse games that have a, kids have a great experience. And I see them and I've followed them and met them after they played and they're doing well. And not just Pace kids, but other kids in the league. To me, it's about, and we've had Division One kids transfer in. And I, I don't even like saying Division One kids. We've had kids transfer in and be like, wow, there's a care here about lacrosse. And now, does, that doesn't actually mean we're going to have four helmets. We're not a program that cares about how many helmets you have, you know, how many sweatshirts you have. We're kind of blue-collar, gritty. It's Division Two. We don't have these huge budgets. But at the same time, there is a passion and a care and a commitment to men's lacrosse. And our athletes, I mean, both our basketball teams went to the NCAA tournament last year. More, the majority of our teams are competing. In the eighty ten, people win national championships in every single sport on a consistent basis and certainly are competing. There's a care and a compete level that I'll put up with a lot of places. And I think that it's up to the recruits to not get caught up in the helmet stickers and the BS and the, the flash of the Instagram. Find a place where you can be competitive and you can be a better version of yourself. That's more important to me than anything else. And it's about the experience, like you said, and having the opportunity to play in the NCAA tournament and play for a national championship. More programs. If you play at Springfield or you play at Western New England or Clark or WPI, Pace, Bentley, St. Anselm's, every year you go into the season, if you compete at a very high level, you will have an opportunity to play in the NCAA tournament and possibly play for a national championship. You cannot say that for every single Division One program. Yeah, I mean, I think that, listen, that goes back to kind of the selling recruiting aspect. I think that's Hopefully the recruits, and I, I'd like to think that we're recruiting kids who are making sound decisions, but if this is, I'll put it right out there. If, you know, the best season you could ever have in the history of your program is maybe winning your conference and maybe going to the NCAA tournament 
or maybe if it's some of the schools you name, the best season you can ever have is to lose in the national championship, to win the national championship, to lose in the semifinals. I don't know. It's pretty easy to me. And I say this all the time. If you have an opportunity to change your life academically, to go to an Ivy League school, some of these power five, the Dukes, the Virginias, Yale, Harvard, Cornell, whatever it is, the academies, those are life-changing experiences. After that, it honestly, in my opinion, find the best fit for you. Find a place you can be great. Find a place you can smile. Find a place where you're going to smile more days than not smile. In lacrosse, it's the only sport I know where a kid will be a super athletic midfielder who runs up and down the field. And you've had guys like this, Jack, and you've seen him college run up and down the field. And then he goes to a college program that plays the most boring vanilla style lacrosse I've ever seen. And they've got this thorough blood and they move him to long stick midi or close defense. Or short stick D midi, which is the short worst. Short stick midi me. And we change positions all the time. But at the same time, like if you're, if you're, if you're a thoroughbred, go run. And I just don't think in lacrosse, the, the recruits do a good enough job of that. I think like the invert, don't go to a school that inverts consistently. <laughs> yeah. And, and it also goes to how much research the kids are doing in the schools they want to go. I, I just sent a kid to, to St. Mike's. And part of the reason that I, that I recommended that school to him is because I thought it would fit him. And he was like, coach, I don't know. I'm getting a lot of love from these other places. And I stopped and I went, that doesn't matter at all. Stop thinking like that. Like I'm his, I'm his high school assistant coach. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You're not going to a school just because they send you a t-shirt, dude. That's not how this works. Like we're going to find you the best place for you. And I'm going to do that for every kid on this team because every kid that plays lacrosse deserves that because lacrosse's function in my mind, and people disagree with this, is to get you into the school that fits you the best. And maybe you don't end up playing lacrosse there. But lacrosse opens the door. Lacrosse opens the door. You playing lacrosse opens the door for you to have a great collegiate experience. And we keep saying experience and, and all of that. And I think it's important to always emphasize that every chance that we get on this podcast. To further that, I've had players over the years get recruited by schools and they'll say, oh, ah, I don't want to go to that school because it's two and a half hours away from home or the school's too small and they've invited them to go on campus for a visit, go on the visit, check out the school, mm -hmm. get a feel for what it's all about, the coach, the program, the academic piece. Same, same with the smaller school. You don't know. You, may, you just can't assume. And today with technology, you can check out all these schools. But if a coach asks you to go on campus yeah. and, and you don't have a lot of choices, you got to go you got to go take the visit and see what it's all about. Because now if you say no, you know why you said no. Probably you don't know why you said no because it's too far from home. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Or I'm going to play here right away or, or all of that stuff. I, I like that kind of, I mean, listen, you have 20 freshmen on your 2023 roster. 20, I counted. That's yep. crazy. But I bet all those kids are competing for the right reasons to play for pace. Yeah, you know, you hope. I think right now, probably sitting here in November 1st after practice this morning, some of them, it's a, it's a reality check. But I think I want to go back to your point. You, you're talking about from a high school coach perspective, which I think is awesome, being involved in the recruiting process. We're losing that a little bit. We need to keep that. You're talking about, hey, this is going to get you a college experience. And I'm sitting here, hey, our process is about the next 40, because we all know sitting here, if you do this successfully and you put time and effort to it, boy, we've got thousands of examples of guys who played college across for four years and turn that into a really good job and a really good career and a really good life. And they've been very successful. So I think, and then after that, it can just continue lacrosse. It can open so many doors. And I think many sports can, but we're lacrosse guys. So I think we're going to focus on lacrosse. Yeah. But I think the doors that this can open, the places I've been and the places I've been able to play and coach, it's just been, sometimes you just take a step back and be like, really, did I just wow, was I part of that? And I just think it, it, the opportunities exist out there. They're amazing and they're limitless and be engaged and get out there and live it and take full advantage. Because if you take full advantage of this game, this game is going to give back more than you could ever imagine. I couldn't yeah. agree more, coach. I'm blessed to be sitting here next to Kyle. I mean, the, the game has been 
so good to me. It's been great to you, and it's been good to Kyle. But I, I just I couldn't emphasize that more. It's such a great game, and, and uh, wrap your arms around it. Enjoy it and have fun with it. And if you do, it's going to take you to a, a great place in your life. Well, and I think, too, we get caught up, right? I mean, I don't coach at Duke. I don't coach at Virginia. I never will. I'm okay with that. I came to grips with that a long time ago. There's different reasons. But it doesn't mean I'm a good po- coach. doesn't mean I'm a bad coach. I love what I do. I love where I'm at. I love the kids I'm surrounded with. I love coaching pro. I know I'll never coach pro lacrosse again in the field game. There's different reasons behind that. Because we're unfortunately a sport that is, we're too worried about how somebody looks at a polo and the image and where somebody played. And I think that's what I've always tried to represent. Like, I'm just, a, I'm just a guy who played college lacrosse. I'm just a guy who coaches lacrosse. I'm just a guy who's going to give everything he can to his players at any level from youth to pro. And I, I, I've probably didn't do that early in my career, but I certainly know I'm going to give my players the youth level, pro college, everything I can. Because I'm so grateful to the game, Jack, and I'm so grateful and I'm just, I'm just excited to be a part of that. And I know I'm not a big name. I know I'm not a prima donna. I also don't have the ego of some of those people. I'm in this for a different, for me, it's not about the winning. I love when these coaches, I'm competitive. Yeah. What what did you do in that game? Because <laughs> we were timeout. You, your timeout play sucked. And that's probably because the kids are within, it doesn't matter, pro college level, high school. Within two passes, they threw it out of bounds. Like, let's get over the competitive. I want to be competitive and impacting the, my players' lives. How they are as students. That's where I want to be competitive. How they are as people. The lacrosse, yeah, I want, I'm competitive. I'm going to win. But, man, on a Saturday, if, I'm, if I have a big impact on that game, besides a good timeout or substitution or maybe uh, the right call, I'm not doing my job during the week. Very good point. And people are more concerned with posting their son scored three goals, but they don't tell you he also turned the ball over eight times, right? And you care and you've put your ego aside and we need more people in the game. And we do have a lot of good people in the game like yourself who are able to put their ego aside because you do care about the players and you do care about their futures and you're doing a great job, coach. And it's been a, a pleasure having you today. We really appreciate the time and look forward to seeing you down the road out in the, the fields, summertime. You play at Met Bentley. Where do you play at this year locally? St. A's? Do you know offhand? We, Southern New Hampshire. We're up at Southern New Hampshire. We are. You're at Pierce, I think. Oh, no, you're not. Pierce. You're not. You're at Assumption. We're at Assumption. Yep. Uh, Kyle and I will catch a game for sure. Well, honestly, I don't even think that far ahead, Jack. Like, I don't, I don't. Yeah, really yeah, care. that's great. Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm focused. I was focused on 8 to 9.30 today of being, and we had a recruit up, and he watched practice, and I'll give him credit, left his house at 6 a.m., and that's a kid. I'll recruit that kid, leaving his house, sat in traffic, and we did some different things. We started out, like, one of the first drills we did today after we got warmed up is kids start with one knee on the ground, whistle, they explode into a sprint, right into a ground ball. Just working on it. We're working on a sprint technique into a ground ball. But then one of the other drills, we did gladiated dodgeball. And it, shockingly, the defense kicked the crap out of the offense. And gladiator dodgeball is basically, we put tennis balls. Each team lines up on the hashes. So they're pretty close to each other. I put tennis balls up the middle, blow the whistle, and it's mayhem. I love it. I love it, Coach. That's oh, a good one. I'm going to steal that one. I, I'm stealing that one. Go. <laughs> Don't like, tell anybody about that one, Coach. No, that's a yeah. great one. That, the, that the, Boy, the talk about getting it. Yeah, talk about getting the team all pumped up and fired up. And do you have the, the same offense. teams, defense against uh, offense? Like today was defense versus offense. Other times we do have challenge teams. There's I mean, different ways you do this. Like the offense lost the first round because I look up and they had like 10 guys left, but they were 10 yards outside the box. <laughs> and the defensemen are absolutely lighting them up. Like, bro, that's great. I'm going to hit you in the nuts. And they hit guys in the nuts. And. So they, they lost and they had to do push-ups and defensemen are throwing the balls at them while they're doing push-ups. And we did, we do a rondo drill. It's just this soccer drill I stole years ago and all kinds of touches. And the recruit was like, I couldn't believe how competitive that was. Yet there was no, it's not a contact drill, but it's a compete drill. And that's, I think one of the things that I've kind of, you know, and I'm close to Coach Busick, one of the things that I really like that they do, which I've always been a coach, we would drill for 10 minutes and then we would compete for 10 minutes. 
I think it, it, it's a good philosophy. But then I kind of started watching. I watched a lot of practice from a Cornell this fall. And like every single drill they did, they finished with a first to three, a first to five. And like the drills were competitive. But boy, when they started competing, it was lights out. Long. Lights out. And I just think that I kind of like that. And I think it's that, yeah, there's certain things we got to drill. We can't compete in everything. But in reality, you're competing in everything. But I appreciate what you guys do. I think that anybody, anybody goes out of the way to cover this great game. And I think you guys do a really good job. Yes, you cover Division One, you cover Pro. But I think certainly New England is home of really good Division Three and really good Division Two lacrosse. You guys do an awesome job of covering it, and that is appreciated. And I see it, we see it, and we need more people. Absolutely. Well, a lot of grit, a lot of grind in this studio, Coach. <laughs> he knows. He knows. That's it. Learn to live life. I, I will say, I will say, last compliment I'm, I'm going to pay. If I'm putting, I know a lot of people in lacrosse. If I needed to put someone up that I would absolutely trust with like my family's life to just do one thing. I know coach Mariano would do it. And I know you would do it, Jack. So I appreciate both of you. Thank you for making my life better and uh, easier in many ways. And also more stressful in many ways. Both of you. I might, I might start crying. Yeah. Well, it, I listen, that. Hey, that's the whole, the whole point of the podcast is just be real with everything. And uh, some people don't like that, but that's well, fine. That appreciated. And I think it goes back to, you know, I don't know, as a, as a coach, as a player, do you want to be remembered as like the greatest timeout coach ever? <laughs> no. There's only a handful of guys that win a bunch of championship. Yeah. Well, you want to be remembered as a great teammate. Certainly like somebody mentioned somebody like, ah, coach is an okay coach, but man, he's a great guy. And like, you're like, should I be offended by that? Or do you, and I think probably when I was younger, I'd have been offended by that. And now you're kind of like, all right, then he knows that I care about him. Because listen, we're going to have arguments about the X's and O's and playing time. Hey, you don't play me. You suck as a coach. But if you care, you care. Yeah. Well, I know there's a number of players who played for you out there who are great positions in their life today. And they would say they wouldn't be in those positions without you and while playing for you, coach. We're trying. We're just trying to do our part every single day. But I appreciate you guys and thank you for the time. Thanks again for coming on, and thank you for listening to New England Cross Journals, Chasing the Gold Podcast. I'm Jack Piatelli. I'm Kyle Dudley. We'll see you next time.